Here we go. So we just kind of go like very unofficially. Yeah. Because, as I said, organic, man. Yes. We let it go as we let it go. All yeah. right. So we, we got to finish this conversation because um, when we were talking about Tom Waits. Yeah. And like, I, I have to show you the rest of this fucking video. Tom Waits, in an interview back in the 60s or 70s, was the fucking influence for the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker. And when you hear these fucking guys, and remember I played you a snippet, and well, you were you like already. played me about 10 seconds, yeah. I'll, play it, I'll, was, try to, I'll play it in the mic here. Okay. The fucking spitting image without the makeup. Of Heath Ledger's Joker. Of Heath Ledger's Joker. It okay. definitely seemed that way. Okay, so here it is. I'm just going to play it. Throughout the uh, intercontinental United States, <laughs> Japan, and uh, I travel extensively in Europe as well. Mm. Uh, no, I don't do half bad. I, uh, they tell me you have a new market now in Ireland. Is that true? Yeah. I've performed in Dublin and done very well there as well. You look like a leprechaun. You should do well there. Well, I, uh, I'm also big in Philadelphia. <laughs> Excuse me. I feel like I'm at my grandmother's. <laughs> right? I mean, even like yeah. The no, 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 no. That is like that the, is dead on. Like the way how he kind of overpronounced the R's. Like like. Well, it's even the speech pattern. The speech pattern was kind of even the same right the speech pattern um and i mean you're obviously an actor yeah accomplished accomplishing we'll, we'll get into some of the stuff that you're doing <laughs> actually it's kind of funny all i see is like like one eye peeking over the the pop filter on your mic okay um that's intentional but from the actor's point of view i mean it's like you're 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 taking so much into consideration the way that you speak the the inflection the dialect i mean they're just when you think about heath ledger's joker yeah that character is zero of anything i've ever seen him portray like he literally came left field out of the well tom waits left field you know <laughs> And just created this fucking insane character that obviously yeah. everyone thinks he's like one of the best characters in Batman, period. Like, Well, I mean, it's just an amazing character, period. I, I think, you know, even if you're taking it out of the context of Batman and the Batman movies, I think it's just an amazing, it's, it's, it's an amazing acting. It's great acting. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, but Heath Ledger was a great actor. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he played a lot of different roles. He played different types of roles. He was really a character actor. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think it's even in his early work, you would see it. Even, you know, even, you know, you could tell how good he was in, you know, 10 Things I Hate About You. He's just a really, really right. talented guy. And he was very good. Wasn't that kind of like his breakout role? That teen, kind of a teeny movie, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I think I know he was really young in it. I think I think it was like his first big mm -hmm. movie in America, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So okay, is he actually he's Australian or is he English or something? Because Australian. He was Australian. Yeah. yeah. So when he was in the Knight's Tale, he was kind of just sort of turning his Australian into more of the English, but. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I had a feeling that he was. It's funny that I, I wasn't sure about that. But um, A Knight's Tale is kind of like this little gem, I think, that people kind of forget about. It's like the funnest, cheesiest, campiest, but just great fucking movie. Well, I, th- I think it was fucking great. Well, man. I know about that movie because I have an older sister. And, oh, yeah. And so she... You had the big crush. Right. And so she watched it, and, I, and I've seen it probably about four or five times because of her. Um, so I'm familiar, <laughs> I have to. I'm familiar with yeah. that movie because, because of her, but yeah, no, it is. It, it's really kind of, um, kind of an unknown fun movie. Yeah. I mean, not unknown. I'm, I'm sure if you were to bring it up to people, you know, you'd find a large number of people that probably are aware it exists yeah. or what it is and yeah. who's in it, or at least that Heath Ledger's in it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't guess a lot of people remember too much about yeah, it. I, you know, I, I wouldn't think I wouldn't think that it's in the forefront of people's minds when they think of movies. But if you were to bring it up, I think people would know what it is. Yeah, or or even when you again when you think of Heath, I mean, it's like that jo- the Joker character just completely, I think, just put him on the map. And then of course, as it happens with many talented people, they die. Then they yeah. die shortly thereafter. Yeah, conspiracy. I don't fucking know, man. So, given as good as you're getting, because I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit more. I know we talked about it, but um, you were in. I have a, yeah, Aquarius. I have a recurring role on Aquarius. Um, With David Duchovny. David Duchovny's in it, yes, and uh, Gray Damon. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a great show. It was great to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was super happy to get that job and, uh, <clears throat> and, and work on the show. It was great. It was great set um you know uh it was just a lot of fun so no i mean i thought that when you told me that and it's it's great how how it was just so nonchalant you're like yeah you know so i was doing this and i'm like you mean you mean that you mean aquarius aquarius and you're like yeah you know i'm on a few episodes and you know and i'm like dude that's like you know like you fucking made it but then i love your response because because you were like you know you don't look at it that way anymore remember we were talking about that yeah uh so I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you had said, I think you had said something to the effect of this is, you know, this is going to be your big, the, uh, like I, your breakout, your I breakout, think I said your some, breakout role. Something, right. something along those lines. And I, and I said, you know, I try not to look at things that way anymore. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've, you know, it, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's a job and you want to treat each job by itself mm-hmm. as an individual thing. So you're giving, you know, your max your max effort for that and you're not thinking beyond that and you're not thinking you're you're basically just thinking about the work you're doing and you're not thinking about oh what is this going to do for me because at the end of the day acting is about the work it's not about anything other than that i love that and uh you, where it comes to music and production which is obviously what i do mm-hmm. i've stopped looking at well i need to accomplish x y and z and then I'll be happy or I'll do the, you know, it's not the end result anymore that I look at. It's yeah. the process. I just enjoy the entire process. And I think the moment you lose sight of that is when you lose yourself as an you, artist. Yes. And I, yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing. I mean, people, you know, actors, musicians, writers, directors, people that are very good at those things aren't worried about what's going beyond the process or, you know, where's this going to take me? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think anyways, I don't think they are thinking that way. Um, 
And I think when you do begin to go in that direction, it can go into that thing of like trying to please other people, mm-hmm. which I think in the arts is a huge mistake mm. because you have to really be true to yourself. And it's about listening to what's inside of, you know, you, that burning desire to express whatever it is mm-hmm. in you. And that, I think that's what makes people, you know, good actors, good musicians, good writers, good directors, you know. I, I really do. I think it's it's about being true to oneself. Mm, absolutely. I mean, shit. That's kind of the real reason why we got into it. Yeah. I mean, this oh, is yeah. the, this is the road less traveled. It's it's definitely the a more challenging and more uncertain road than how many of our friends that we had grown up with, respectively, had gone. You know, school, nine to five. Yeah. Kids, house, wife, yada yada. We have to postpone a lot of these pleasures in order to or comforts in order to pursue these dreams and I find that this is a common thing that most people that come out here to pursue a dream you're giving up a lot you really are yes there's an adventurous side there's a side where you're like this is great I I love that I'm doing this I feel good about it but you're also giving up a whole hell of a lot to do it. Well, and you're giving up a lot of security. Right. Well, that's to do why. It. That's why. I mean, I know. I know when I was training as an actor, I, you know, I've had people say this to me. You know, great teachers um, say, you know, don't if you if you can do anything else and you can be happy doing anything else, go do that. And I think, and I, and that's why they say it. I think because. You are giving up a lot. It is a sacrifice. You know, you're, you're, there's certain things that you may not ever get as a result or things that, you know, it delays things you want or mm-hmm. it's just difficult or it's a difficult road until you get where you want to be. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, and I think it, what it is, is it's the uncertainty. Nothing's a guarantee with it. And so that's why I think that exists. If you can do anything else and be happy, Go do it because there's more certainty and there's more security with that. Dude, I can't agree with that more, man. I mean, but I, but uh, but if I did that and I was working a nine to five job five yeah. days a week and had Saturdays and Sundays off, I would be miserable. So I, right. you know, I, I right. mean, it's it's that that particular lifestyle is not for me, and um, that's why I didn't do it. And that's why I'm an actor. Yeah, and. Uh, it's funny because I, I did the same thing. I, w- I went to school for yeah. finance and, you know, people that listen know this. But when I got out, I did the nine to five. And by the end of that first. Did you? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, bro. I, I'm part of the reason why we had a, a crash in 08 or whatever that was. <laughs> the uh, I was selling subprime so mortgages. You're, you're who I should be angry at. I'm the man. So you're, so you're I'm the, the man. You're, you're, you're the guys in 99 <laughs> homes that are selling uh, strippers like three houses. Yes, exactly right. Uh, and when I realized what was happening, not only from that perspective, that okay. that people are, are actually not benefiting. Because I we were young, fresh out of school. Well, I'm sure you weren't and really we were being, fully aware either we, yeah, of what we, was happening. We were being sold by our bosses right. that we're helping them. We're helping them restore their credit. In two years, they're going to refinance. Their credit's going to be way better. And then they're going to be able to get into that 30-year fix at the really low rate. And they would have paid off all their debts. And no, no longer are the creditors knocking on their door. Yada, yada. So they're at a right. 520 credit score. And after we're done with them, two years later, they'll call me back up or I'll call them back up two years later and say, hey, you're a 720 credit score now. Let's get you in the 30-year fixed. Your life is great. 
peaches and cream, perfect. What really ended up happening was by the time the two years went up is when the prices of the, the expectation, of course, was that the price of the homes were going to continue to accelerate as they were, which is ridiculous. How can a home continue? How could anything continue to grow in price at a 20% rate per year? At right. some point, you're going to surpass income levels or any amount that you can afford a payment at 20% per year. But the thought, which is crazy, I mean, I was young, so I can blame it on my youth. But when you're an older guy, like, this is what blows me away, is how, as a collective society, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the short. Oh, the big short? The big short. Yeah, yeah. But how, as a collective society, did were we able to ignore that concept for as long as we did? I mean, some people caught on, as in the film portrayed. Right. But what I don't understand is how it took so long for people to be like, wait a minute. Because I think people are uh, you know, not informed. Yeah, and uh, which brings me to another topic because I feel that as a society, we, have, we do not have a critical thinking society. I mean, I would say the Western world, yes, but specifically... America. Yeah. And when I see all the politics and all the Facebook feeds and, you know, Trump this and Hillary that, and it, it just, uh, sometimes I just want to shut it off and say, I don't even want to play the game. I don't even want to participate. Well, it's, I mean, you're being so, you're being flooded with so much information and so much of this and that, and who knows if any of it's true, that it becomes, I think, difficult to draw your own opinions and your own conclusions mm -hmm. on things. And I think that's the overwhelming, frustrating part of, you know, when you go on to any type of social media and, you know, it happens to be an election year. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what it is, is it, it, there's so much of it. You're being bombarded so much all the time with social media that it it's hard to find time to be alone with your own thoughts and yeah. to draw your own conclusions on what you actually think. Uh, and I, I, I think that's a big issue. I mean, you, you know, I, I personally try, I, I, you know, I personally try not to have much social media, um, just because I, you know, I like, I like quiet. I yeah. like, you know, having, having time to think outside of a computer or a Absolutely. Phone. Absolutely. And, and how influential, I mean, it's like any, uh, you know, mass media, whether it's coming from the man or Facebook, mm -hmm. all your buddies, uh, it's still programming. It still affects your day. And, and, and I kind of have this thing where it's, my, it's part of my slow wake-up process. I'm one of these people where I get up, and I'm not like I'm jumping out of bed. I mean, you know, that, you know there are people that do that, which I cannot fucking fathom. They jump right out of bed, and they're ready to go at 6 a.m. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm dead before noon. <laughs> so I wake up at noon slowly, and, you know, and what do I do? I, I sit there like... like our parents used to read the paper. I'm reading Facebook, right. and I'm going through. But I realized at one point that it's kind of a um, a bad habit because yes, it helps me wake up. Yes, it, it kind of you know, 30 minutes into that, I'm ready to shower. I'm ready to do my thing. But then I'm like, dude, the world sucks. I'm starting my day out with like, this sucks, you know? Because well, there's of a lot of you know, there's a lot of. Uh to use an old phrase, kvetching on, uh, <laughs> on, on, on Facebook, social yeah. media, you know? And so it is, it is difficult to go on there because it, 
so much of it is so negative, it, it becomes a soapbox. Most of it is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you get the occasional, you know, like, you know nice life thing. is great. Right. And it, it's one of our pretty girlfriends with her tits hanging out doing a fish pose. You know, life is not guaranteed, you know. So live the life you, the way you want. And you're, oh, thank you for that. I'm going to yank one out now and I'm going to go back to sleep just because of that. <laughs> thank you very much. But then the next post ah, is, you know. you use Facebook for now. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, but And then... And then the next post, of course, is some horrible, you know, the corruption and the this and the that. You know what? At the end of the day, I love that we have free speech. I think it's, you know, it's the best thing we have in this country, right? Free speech. But when all we're doing is just bitching and complaining with sort of half-ass information, Mm -hmm. because clearly as 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 a society, we can't agree on a goddamn thing. And you got the red ants and the blue ants and a couple other ants. But... It's like it, it, we treat it like it's a fucking competition or a football game, you know, instead of like, hey, man, we're all in this shit together. And not only within the United States itself, in which we have our different teams in which we, we subscribe to. It's your, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian or right wing or I'm a, you know, uh, whatever. Like people's identifiers, how they yeah, identify themselves. Yeah, and, and we kind of guard it with our lives, you right. know, that this is me. This defines me. I am christian or i am democrat or republican and it's like you lose sight and then at the same time then you have as a nation we can all kind of come together and say well we're americans so fuck the chinese or fuck the whatever and it's just this weird mentality of like i don't know just opposition bro you know what i mean and I don't really know where I'm going with this, but but I'm seeing. But you're, that you're talking about like a, men- this, a mentality of you know, it's, it's confi- fuck everyone else is what, is what you're basically yeah, saying. Yeah, so fuck everyone else within my nation, but where it comes to certain things, hey, you're talking about like defend so ba- the nation, basically selfishness. Very I mean, much so. thinking about oneself and not outside of oneself, and, it, and it's whatever you're identifying with at any given point. And you only care about so, that. Yeah. So when we're talking about, well, I think that's a, I think that's a. I think that's a bigger thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I personally don't know where that starts or what the issue is yeah. or, you know, how that even came to be. Um, I mean, part of me thinks people have always been that way. And mm-hmm. just because we have access to so many things now that we're just more aware of it. And then part of me thinks because we have access to so many things, it's worse. So I don't really know what it is, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would guess it would just be we have more access to things. Well, you know. We have more access to whatever we want to see. Absolutely, and w- which is a good thing, I think, overall. Well, it's a double-edged sword. Double-edged sword. But I think as long as we have Game of Thrones <laughs> and as long as we have beer commercials, people aren't going to do a fucking thing but bitch. And that's what I and that's why we're seeing this banter across Facebook. Oh, the outrage, the DNC, and the this and the that, and just on and on in the wars in the Middle East and blah blah blah. Bitch, 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 bitch. What's getting done? What's getting done? It seems like the United States or Western society as a whole is this million-pound locomotive just pounding down the tracks at eighty miles an hour. Yeah, and. There's really, you know, we're trying to stop it with, with uh, you know, a couple of guys like trying to pull on it from behind. or so it's just, You know what I mean? It's just there's so much momentum is what I'm trying to say. There's so much momentum that all this little banter, it's just like throwing rocks 
at this little at this huge locomotive you know well it's a, you know it's not thinking about what's a solution it's just kind of complaining about a current problem yeah yeah so anyway i you know but here here's where i think this is where the arts come in and i yeah, love no i agree I, I i love i love the quote by terrence mckenna i'm gonna butcher the shit out of it but you'll get the gist and, okay. and he says that essentially the world depends on artists because if the artists lose their way if the artists cannot show us the way then basically no one else can so it's up to the arts to really kind of break through the mold, break through the box that we put ourselves in. And that's the whole thing because we're the ones that go to the, to the, un, to the unknown lands. You know, we're the ones that do the LSD or mushrooms or whatever it takes to, to well, see these amazing I things. I mean, even if you, you think back to Shakespeare and, and the Globe Theater, you know, back way back when, way back in the, I believe, 1560s, you know, a lot of those plays are written about issues that were current for that time. <laughs> and, you know, people, people, actors in those plays would be arrested. And they were, they were about their society. And so I think, I think the very base of, uh, you know, I want to I say acting, even before that, the Greeks, is kind of to open humanity's eyes a little bit or society's eyes a little bit. And I think that's, I think that's the base of it for the Mm -hmm. most part. And so I, I, you know, I think that's, I think what I'm saying is I think what you, what you said is, is kind of correct in a way of, you know, it's actors are there, performers are there, writers, you know, um, to kind of, to kind of show a different perspective. Yeah. And to maybe people who didn't see things a certain way to hopefully get them to see another side of something. Absolutely. And I, uh, you know, I think that's correct. Yeah. In in any way, you know, in subtle ways and not so subtle ways, I, I mean, whether it's film or poetry or novel or right. music. Yeah, it can be anything. It doesn't have to yeah. be acting. It, it It's any one of those things. Absolutely. It's to broaden the mind. Absolutely. And, uh... You know, and, and I have to say, you know, I haven't seen your work yet, although I really can't wait to, like, really, I really can't wait. To, I'm going to I'm gonna watch uh, Aquarius from day one, like, from season one, because you were in, can, I, can we talk about it? Are you season two? You're season I'm two? In, I'm in season two. Yeah, we can talk. I just don't know exactly, what, I don't, like, what I can or cannot say, but I'm in, like I'm about in season two. Like, about the plot two. or whatever, right? right. right. I'm okay. in season two, okay. and um, I uh, play a character named uh, Ben Healy. And uh, it has aired or it has not the it, episodes it, it, that you were in. It is, yeah, it has aired. Okay, so because uh, is and what what's the is it HBO? Is it NBC? It's NBC. NBC. Okay, um, but nothing streaming, right? You have to you have to catch it on television right now. You have to catch it on television. Yeah, I know. I know the first season of it is on Netflix. So I think after the entire season two airs, mm-hmm. my guess is that it would kind of follow suit. That's what I would think one, too. Yeah. So I'll get a head start and. Because I don't want to see the episodes that you're in until I, I'm without, caught up. So I got to I got to start yeah. watching this show, which I hear is a fucking great show. It's really good. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start from the beginning, and then hopefully when it comes out on it, or if I can somehow catch it another way, then I'll, I'll catch season two, and then I, I can't wait to see well, you in those episodes. What's crazy is um, back must have been two years ago now, year and a half, two years ago. Mm-hmm. I uh, read the pilot. 
and I uh, really, really wanted to be in it. And so, um, oh wow, yeah. And so I auditioned for it, and um, or no, I didn't audition for it. I didn't audition for it, and but I wanted to. And so um, a year after that, uh, the opportunity came up, and uh, they they saw me for a certain character, and then they brought me back for a different one, and the, that was the one I ended up getting. And so it's it's kind of a cool thing um, that I, I read it. I really wanted to be in it because I th- I think it's just kind of a fascinating thing. Yeah. Uh, you know about the the Manson family and yeah, of course. You know it's 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 especially for L.A. It's such a yeah such a known part, thing around part of the here. history in a way. It is. Yeah. It is definitely Laurel Canyon. I mean, yeah. I live in Laurel Canyon. Yeah, he was over. Uh, wasn't it around? Is it Laurel Canyon? Or was it around Los Feliz? I think it was all in the hills. I'm not exactly okay. sure of the exact locations. I think some of it was Los... I, yeah, I know some of it was Los Feliz. Okay. Um, or Los Feliz. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's hey, an ongoing thing. No one, you no one can agree. No one knows exactly how you say it. Pro- proper Spanish would be Los Feliz, but everyone out here says Los Feliz. Feliz? I don't Los know. Feliz. Los Feliz. Los Whatever. Or Los Feliz. I don't... Yeah, I yeah, don't okay. know. We anyway. just sound like idiots now. Yeah. Um, but I... You know, so it was fascinating. I read it. The pilot was great. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up, you know, year year and a half later, um, this this ended up happening. So I was I was really happy that it came through. I, I don't I don't doubt that your enthusiasm for it has something to play in it. And you know, just to sound like a goddamn dirty LA hippie, um, <laughs> the power of mind. I mean, if you were yeah. even somewhat fixated on it, I, I don't doubt that you know you had attracted the right people, the right situation, the right attitude to really make the shit happen, bro. I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, there are certain things that I sort of were like, wow, this is awesome. And and that thing manifested. Like, very, like, it's happened too many times where at this point I know it's beyond coincidence. Right. Beyond coincidence. I mean, I'll give you just a real, real funny, quick example. Um, I told you I went to uh, recording school at UCLA. Right. And when I was living in San Diego prior to moving up here, um, I had come across an article I was researching while I was sitting in my shitty cubicle, <laughs> destroying people's lives, Sell, selling, 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 selling bad mortgages. Bad mortgages. To <laughs> I was, re- I was like researching what Jesus. what I could do to get the fuck out of Dodge. Okay? Right, and it finally occurred to be okay. Music, I love music. Let's let's see if we can make a career so out I, of this. I actually have a quick question to interject. Yeah, did you did you realize? So you realized you were selling bad mortgages. At, and one, at one point, I did. And towards that's the when end. you decided to get out. And that's where I said, fuck you guys, okay. I'm out. But I didn't say anything. I just right. sort of checked out right, mentally. Right. And I'd say within about two months, I just closed out my current files, handed over some okay. of my files, and I was Audi 5000. That was it. Um, once, I, once I fixate on something, that's it. Okay. It's all or nothing. So Okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, I, just, I just wanted... I, I I guess I was curious. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not that horrible, horrible of a human being. Yeah, I, you know? I guess I wanted to know what, how I should judge you. Yeah, is what right. I exactly. So once I realized that, by the way, it was one of the happiest moments of my life when I actually had that epiphany. Right. And I was like, oh my god, I could do this. You know, it's funny how it's just right here the whole time, but you're just like, I don't see it. I don't see it. Blinders. I don't know. Well, yeah, you put on blinders. And uh, so I, I'm coming across this article, and and I love this article so much that I printed it out at work. I laminated it, and I kept it in a folder for, a f- I don't know, three, four, five months, something like this, okay. before I had moved up to, to L.A. And, and went to school and blah, blah, blah. And it was an article written by a dude, um, Carlo, Carlos Munguia. 
and he is like a well-known recording engineer and he'd worked with some of the best guys and he was out in in, in uh, berkeley school of music which is on the east coast i think yeah. it's in massachusetts i could be wrong i think uh, it's, it's like a, it's a great music school though. great music school and he was out there and talking about something you know this article was was an interview with him and it had a little picture of him on a little black and white picture and i thought man i want to be this guy one day i want to be this guy so i laminate the fucking thing i keep it folder and once I set on UCLA and I'm moving up to LA and get out of Dodge and all that shit, uh, about six months in when I started taking advanced courses, when you're actually in a recording studio, guess who my fucking teacher was? It was him. It was him. That's not, see, yeah, no, I and, mean, and, I love stuff like that though. And, and, and I did not realize I, I look I was like where the fuck do I know this guy and you know what? I had kept that shit in my folder ever since I was living in San Diego almost you know at that point maybe eight months prior maybe a year prior right. and I hadn't looked at it since I moved to LA it was it was in my boxes still okay. you know and and I dug up my boxes and I opened it up I was like you gotta be fucking kidding me it's him <laughs> that's my I fucking knew it you know I have a, I, so I have an interesting story kind of like that so <clears throat> I told you earlier back um, I grew up in Chicago up bears i had to i'm sorry no 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 it's it's true but more the cubs Um, which i have to say how come you don't you have zero chicagoian accents yeah no uh, you're very very like neutral newscaster eloquently spoken not to say that chicago people are not but you don't have what are you trying to say no i know um my brother ryan does your brother, uh, your own brother. My what own it? brother does. Wow. I yeah, I know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's from acting and theater. It kind of yeah gets mixed out a little bit, or I don't know if it's I mean, I haven't lived there in five years, so it could be that too. I'm sure I had a little bit of one when I first moved. Um Yeah, but I've had people say that to me before, say, You don't yeah. sound like you're from Chicago. I'm like, oh, I'm not yeah, lying you, to you. You, I you and uh you should meet my co host Nikki sometime. You and her should get together and go bowling. She's from Chicago? She's not. She sounds just, she's the female version of you. You guys both sound like you should be doing the fucking news. <laughs> you know what? You, got, you guys need to take over this podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> just kick you out. Just You'll do the sound out. because I don't know I'll do the audio. how to do any of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do all the audio and all that shit. Which, by the way, um, it's kind of cool. The podcast, like, once uh, we're finished with the episode, like, there's music and there's intros and outros. And it has more of, like, a polished feel. And everyone knows that... Uh, you know, I come in and do a little movie magic on it. You know, okay, yeah. so uh, well, I mean, and, you have and, to. It's a, you know, in in the in the unlikely event that there's any dry spots, I just you know cut them out. But Jesus, as as of late, it's been uh, even the parts where I'm like, dude, I can't air that, and then I listen to it afterwards before you know before, right. and it's like, oh, this is fucking perfect because I, I love the organic nature of this. You know, we're not trying to be some big network. You know, the, I I think the people want this. You know, we. We like this. We like real. And I think that's yeah. the whole point. You know, the shit that, uh, you know, here again, getting on my soapbox, but the shit we see on television, it's like, I think it's all old hat, bro. I think we're seeing a shift in that we are now the content providers. I mean, yes, you might be, you know, become sooner or later a big shot, you know, actor on, on film and TV and all that. But everybody is going towards YouTube uh soundcloud look, look at the stuff i make look at look at the act you know it's we're all content providers now which is interesting yeah i mean i, I think it's good to the degree that it, it promotes you know it, it encourages people to create their own stuff mm-hmm. and I, I think that's good i think that's valuable right i i, I do i think that's good 
Well, if we ever become a police state, which I think we will, they'll probably go back in the record and if I post this shit and probably find me and shoot me out in the street. <laughs> but you know what? It's worth it because I, I, I enjoy doing this. And, and dude, everyone, I, yourself, and, and last I did, I, I interviewed Constantine, yeah. who... Very talented yeah, actor. Great. Have you have you ever seen his work or just heard of what he's been doing? Oh man, um, I went to no. You know, I uh, I was he was doing a show at the Rockwell, right? That's and then, before he left to New York for his right Broadway the, thing. But the night I went to go see the show because mm-hmm. uh, we we my girlfriend and I we had another friend in the show, um, girl named Dee Dee, who's insanely talented. Her mm-hmm. singing voice is great. Um, Constantine was supposed to be in the show, but for whatever reason that night, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was disappointing. But I know, I mean, I've, he's shown me some stuff, and yeah, he's, I mean, he's great. He's great, and he's just the nicest guy, too. He is the nicest, happiest dude, I swear to God, that I know in L.A. He, he just, every time you see him, you're like... You get excited, like oh, I get you know because yeah, you, you he's know a real, he has a real positive kind yeah. of magnetic effect to him, and, and it kind of and it, and it kind of rubs off on you, and then you're now you're all smiles and, and all that, and it's like, you know, now well, I, is, yeah. now I now I get it, you know, it's but what a, what a great guy, man, I love the kid, and what what's the name of the show that, um, that he was in? I, I'm off the Are top of my head. You talking about the um, the, the, the nut track, the, the vampire one, where he's he's the lead. He told me about it. I don't remember the name of it. I know. I don't think it's on. No, yet. no, not or it's just about to start, like any day now, on the WB streaming. I yeah. believe it was. Yeah. I wish I could remember off the top of my head the name of the show. I do not, but I don't either. But what, I know what it, an awesome. Yeah, what an awesome thing for him, man! And and the fact that you have this amazing role on this amazing show that everybody knows about—I mean, dude, again, not to jinx it and say you've made it, but goddamn, man, you guys are like you're you're doing your shit. You came out here, you did all that sacrifice that we talked about. Yeah, Connie said that it took him about three years before he started getting good work, and now he's getting good work. I don't know if that is true for you, but it's it's yeah. I mean, it goes and starts and fits. It's it's one of those things where. You know, it's it, like I said, it's completely unpredictable. So, right. you know, you start to look at it differently, and you start to say, "Okay, I'm really grateful I have this, and right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy it to its full capacity and really give it my all." Right. And just focus on this one role here. Right. Um, you know, one thing because we were talking about villains, mm-hmm. okay, and. When I see we're in Gary Oldman, we were talking about Gary Oldman, and yeah. it's like when when you see a really great actor without musical cues, without anything other than just the shot that you see, yeah, maybe for the first time, maybe not, but you're like, there's something up with that guy, you know, that guy, there's that guy's kind of there's something wrong with that guy, you know what I mean? And it's like, in 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 a, and I'm so huge on you know, facial expression and subtlety and the way that you speak. That's why I was so fascinated by the Tom Waits thing. Um, and you just see him and, and it's like, I can't even, the cues that I'm getting from this guy are so subtle that I can't even tell you if it's an eyebrow, if it's a squint, like I can't right, tell it, you it, what it is. It, it's, well, just, it's conveying, it's just it's conveying a feeling and an, an aura of that person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's why, Gary Oldman is Gary Oldman, you know. He's I mean, right. he's an amazing actor. We we're talking about the professional in particular, and just yeah. how good he is in that. And yeah. um, you know, and we were talking about we were talking about villains, and 
you know, I, I had made the comment of, you know, villains, it's not that it's, oh, someone who's inherently bad. It's that everyone is capable of being a villain in some way. Yeah, I love that. And so I think we talked about, like, and we talked about the fact that it was, when you watch a villain, the thing that attracts you to them is that it's almost like something suppressed. It's like, you know, things that aren't deemed acceptable <laughs> Yeah. In society that sometimes you might want to act on, you go to a movie and the villain does that. They act on those things. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of that that thing that you, you always hold back on. And I, I think everyone can connect to that in some way. And I think that's why people do connect to villains. Yeah. And, you know, one of our actor friends told me that one way, I mean, it's not the only way, of course, but one way to portray a really good villain is to understand that many times the villain doesn't see himself as such. No, he, no, he, feel, he feels that he or she is a victim of the world. And th- I think that's true. You know, I think that's, I think that's true. It's like, um, you know, if you're playing a crazy character, crazy people don't know they're crazy. They think they're as sane as everybody else. They probably right. think they're more sane. Right. And so, the world is crazy. Right. I'm the, the one is, that sees the light. Right. And so right. you don't want to play a crazy person crazy. You you know, you play them just as you would. They're they're sane, right? I'm, I'm not insane here, and I, I yeah. So I think that's right. I think it is. They see themselves as a victim of the world. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you. Well, first of all, what what else have you been doing, and do you have anything coming up that you can talk about uh, as far as roles? Um, I, I'm curious, uh, other than Aquarius, what what you might have been doing and what you could be doing. So yeah, I I've been. Um, you know, I've been out in LA for oh man, roughly five years, and um, I've been I've been you know I've been fortunate. I started in theater and uh, came out here, and I've you know I've worked on Criminal Minds. I did a really cool movie for um, IFC Midnight. They ended up buying it uh, called Inner Demons, mm-hmm. and uh, I did another movie called The Secret Lives of Dorks. Um, you know, I've worked on a. I worked on a thing with Ed Asner, which is super cool. Um, I don't. A lot of people. I mean, he's he's a little bit older. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he was on the Mary Tyler Moore show, and then I believe he had his own show. And uh, yeah, man, I I did a and then I you know I did a play at the Ford Theater called Naked Before God. And and just real quick mm-hmm. uh, for the listenership here, uh, how can people find you? What is your stage name? You go by? I go by Morgan McClellan. Morgan's my middle name. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, I want. I really want to hear the Scottish accent, but we can get into that later. <laughs> I gotta hear. <laughs> anyway, okay. So uh, that's great, man. That sounds like you, you've been you've been quite active. You've been out here for five years. Did you get stuff right away, or is it is it something that did take a little bit of time? Because um, I, I have to say that when, when I see you, when I first met you, also, um, I, I felt that kind of you know you know what I mean the X factor. Oh, well, you know I, I mean, mean I'm not I'm yeah. not trying to you know. Yeah. I, no, I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I you know I I don't I personally don't think of myself in that way. But I but thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no, it's, but, it's like a presence. I and I feel like you, Constantine, Adir, you three, you you guys kind of have that whatever that fucking thing is. You know what I mean? Well, like thanks, like there's like you know, and then I'm sure that's what the camera picks up on is that that charismatic whatever the fuck. X factor. Yeah, I mean, no, whatever you no want to call one, it. No one really. Nobody really knows. Yeah, knows what Nobody that knows. is or if it's a thing. <laughs> if it's a thing. Um, no, but I mean, I I moved out, so I moved out here, and um, you know, I got a I got a manager pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
took me about three months. But I but I, I was pretty lucky too. I became friends with a guy who uh, was an actor when he was younger and uh, is a producer currently. Mm-hmm. And a uh, really nice guy, good person, and he helped me out. And we became really good friends. And um, I actually, it's funny, I actually, so when I moved out here, I only knew a couple people. And I was going to move in with a uh, couple of guys in Sherman Oaks. Mm-hmm. And then I knew one of them, but then at the last minute, it fell through. Mm. And so I had about a week before I was moving out here. So I went on to Craigslist. And I found uh, this room for rent. And it ended up being this guy um, who helped me out and his wife. They were renting out a room. And great, um, man. You can't predict shit like no, that. No, no, man. no, no. That's so the I crazy moved, thing I moved about in it. with him, and he ended up helping me out and um, helped me get my, uh, my first manager out here, which was you know, really great. And um, Roughly how long are we in the time frame at that point when you got like, your first manager? Like three months. Quite quickly, like okay. yeah, three months, and then. But um, again, you had a track record from theater. Yeah, I had been doing theater, right? And so, um, you know, I got a got a manager, and um, yeah, I, I within I think it was about the first year I I did a movie, and um, it's a small it's a small part I have in the movie. Uh, it's called Secret Lives of Dorks, mm-hmm. but uh, that sounds kind of cool, man. I, I like anything that's uh, that's yeah. It's kind of it's kind of one of those like uh, teen comedy. Um, kind of goofy kitschy movies without without knowing what it is but i I draw the analogy of nerds yeah yeah uh (laughs) were were you the nerd or were you a jock i i was i was the the stoner you're the stoner i was the stoner yes because no offense but i i absolutely see you as like who was the main the main jock that was on uh married with children the neighbor do you remember? Uh, I'm yeah. going way back here, brother. I I know I I vaguely yeah I vaguely remember I I don't remember too you know, much. Where they, of they wear the children. fucking sweaters on right. their back. No, I remember and, I remember you know. I can picture him walking into their house. Yeah, that's how you see me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> the fucking jock, Thanks. the asshole Thanks, jock, Johnny. Um, no, yeah. So I did that and I uh, ended up doing that play I talked about naked before God and that was great. Um, Guy who wrote it's name is uh, Leo Jeter, mm-hmm. and is super talented writer mm-hmm. and just really nice guy. And um, that was a cool. It was about. It was a cool play. It was about um, a porn star and his mom, who was a porn star that was getting him into porn. What? It's a, it's a really dark. That's odd. It's a really dark comedy. Yeah. And his dad. His dad is a war veteran, and he brings home an Afghani. Um, an, a- an Afghani soldier with him and is trying to trying to uh, pass the Afghani soldier off as Mexican. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's pretty inappropriate. And then there's like a, um, and then there's a self-help guru in mm-hmm. it that the mom invited over to the house. And yeah, it's a really crazy play. It's kind of off the wall. It sounds, but it sounds pretty like dark comedy. Is that, yeah, is that what you call it's it? very dark. It's yeah. very dark, uh, and it border borders on kind of absurd. Yeah, um, but it's it was great. I really and I learned a lot from it too. Um, you know, and I think I think as an actor, for me, and I think you know most people um, try to learn something every time mm-hmm. you go out there and film or you're doing a show. You try to learn and you try to, what what did I learn from this particular role or show or what did I learn on this night or, you know, what did I pick up on that make you better, that help you grow? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the eventual, that's the goal overall is to become the best you can possibly be at your craft. That's awesome. And man. I know that play in particular taught me a lot. 
That's um, awesome. It man. really, yeah. really, really did. I got to ask you, um, if you could go back and talk to five years ago, Kevin, right, and give advice to younger, younger Kevin, yeah, I, I'm very curious as to hear what you would, what would you tell yourself? You know what I mean? Given, given where you've been, where you're at, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you're, you're like, you know, you're an A-lister at this point, but you very well, you very well, you know, that could very well happen very soon for you. You never know. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of, of doing work in this town. But at the end of the day, you were doing good work and that's, mm-hmm. that's what matters. So if you could go back and, and give yourself advice and what would you say? Like when you first arrived in LA soil? So many things. (laughs) Um, Man, you know, one of the biggest things I learned um, was to take my ego out of things. Mm. Um, That was a that was a big thing for me because when you, I mean, not that I had a massive ego or anything like that, but that kind of protective layer of you don't want to feel like you're not doing your job or, you know, feeling that, you know, not feeling like you're doing your job well. And, um, that's a little bit of ego. And I, I would say get rid of that quicker. Um, don't be afraid to fail. It's a big thing I learned because I I think when I was younger, I, when, you know, working on an audition or a role, I would, want to have everything so in place so I felt comfortable. Like like perfectionist? Yeah, kind of a perfectionist thing, but to a detrimental point, I mm-hmm. think, in a lot of ways. And I've gotten to the point where I kind of started seeing acting as a tightrope walk. And it it's more exciting that way because it's, it's the thing of, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, I, I know what I'm doing. I know my lines. I know what's going on. I'm, I'm informed on everything. But I don't, I don't try to lock it down. I'm not afraid to go out there and fall flat on my face now. And I'm, I'm excited to. I'm excited to see what happens. It, it's a, it's a, it turns me on as an actor. Um, and I think that was a big thing I learned. And I think, you know, kind of realizing that I was afraid of that. So I, I guess in the end, it wasn't so much ego. It was more fear. Of don't don't be afraid mm. to fail, and that was that was a big thing I've learned over the course course of my time here. It's awesome, man. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think I think when you're you know when you're doing theater and you 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 have so many rehearsals. Um, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna say, but no, I, that was that was a big thing. It was it was uh, n- not being afraid to fail. That's awesome, man. I, I it's I gotta say that every time, it's it's funny, man. Fa- the word failure is such an interesting word because at the end of the day, I, I think there really is no such thing. Well, right. I would I would say that too. Um, it's it's. I mean, failure really is just growth. Right. Right. Um, it, it's like saying, well, I didn't get specifically what I wanted, but. When you say failure, you're basically saying it's an inability to foreshadow or foresee what the actual consequence of that was. Not, I didn't immediately get X, Y, and Z. Well, it's about being... You don't know what that did for you 10 years later, that experience, the people that you met, the lessons that you learned, the mistakes that you made. And here again, I've even sort of caught myself saying, you know, oh, I made a mistake by doing this. And 
had I known what I know now, I would have gone back and not done that. But then I realized that how would you have ever known? How that? Would, so now I so in other words, I'm sitting here with this new tool in my belt, mm-hmm. saying that I, I shouldn't I shouldn't have gone to the hardware store and gotten that tool. You you know what I mean? Kind right, of a shitty no, analogy, but no, you, you I know, get I get what you're saying though because yeah. I think it's I think you know failure. And that was a big thing. You're saying what would you go back and, and clearly change? now now I won't now I know. Right. Now I have a... You're uh, informed on that I'm specific in- thing, so you're like, oh, well, I won't do that again. Right. Or, or you learn that from it, so you, you can do whatever th- it is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's the thing is, when, you know, and I, and I think that's the thing when you're younger, you see failure as failure. You see yeah. it as, as you didn't do it. You, right. you fell. As opposed to looking at a wider picture of it and saying right. and looking at the whole picture and being like oh well i learned mm-hmm. i learned and I, I you know and i i think once you can start seeing it that way with whatever you do i think that's that's great yeah and and of course as i keep saying i think the journey is so important it's not about the end result yes you are chasing a carrot we're all chasing our own and end results carrots. are great but and you can't great. get there without the journey right man and and if you I, I believe, and this is why I've chosen art, and I don't know, we'll find out if you have also for this reason, but I chose it because I wanted to enjoy the walk, not the prize. So when I was stuck in that cubicle back in, you know, right out of, right out of college and, and sort of hate in life, I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm making this sacrifice because the paycheck or... Um, you know, once I close these deals, then I'll have a lot of money and I'll buy this car and then I'll be happy. And then I realized I was just continually humping this idea of the material gain or, you know, once I do this, then that. There's constantly a, a, a game of, yeah. well, once I get this, then I'll actually be happy. Yeah. And realizing the whole time I'm fucking miserable. Well, you're chasing your tail. And there's like these little brief, okay, I closed the deal. That felt kind of good. And, you know, I know I got a paycheck coming in. But my God, like, like, like any bad drug, you go up and you come right the fuck back down. Mm-hmm. Now, with art, I feel, yes. There, you kind of have to be a little bit of a masochist, I think is the word, you know, someone who kind of likes pain in a certain degree because it is hard, it's a hard path. It's not like it's instant gratification. There's a lot of sacrifices that we spoke about. However, the act of doing what you do without looking at the result, Mm -hmm. like me doing this, or when I write a song, or I'm sure when you're, when you're doing your, your, your lines, you're like in that mo- mode of uh, of flow, as they say. You're in flow, mm-hmm. and time flies. And then you look down at your watch. You realize a whole day has gone by. And for me, that you know, I, I sit up from my desk and I'm like, okay, I've been producing for eight hours. I should probably eat something now. I should probably go to the bathroom. You know, you similar thing. You've been on set and you look up and you realize the sun's down. You've been there since the morning. That to me is living. That is living. And yes, the byproduct is maybe you make it in your art you can make enough money to survive on your art maybe you get the big house and and all that good stuff also the material gain but for me and and i kind of paraphrase uh uh dave Chappelle. i remember him saying this when he got into comedy Mm -hmm. he said you know i don't need to be a comedian 
or an actor and, and be a millionaire like all these guys that you see on TV. He's like, if I can be a comedian or an actor, because prior I think he was uh, he was bartending or he was serving or waiting. I don't know. He's doing something, you know, odd jobs. Kind of odd job, yeah. He said, if I can make a bartender salary, what I'm doing now, but doing what I love, then I'm the happiest fucking guy on earth. And when I heard that, I was like, dude, spot on, spot on. Yeah, it's all. I mean, it's all about doing what you love, and and you know, getting getting to that point where you can sustain yourself on doing what you love. On That's doing an accomplishment. What you love. Yeah. That's an accomplishment, especially something like, you know, speaking Dave Chappelle with stand up. You know, it's not an easy profession. Yeah, you know, there's it's, one of the hardest I think to, it, to break sh- into. It's harder than acting. Yeah, and I'm sure it is. I don't know much about you know. I don't know much about the stand up business, um, but. I'm sure it's harder than acting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there's less to go around. And so I think that's right. I think if you if you can make enough to sustain yourself in what you love doing, yeah, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, real quick, man. Uh, first of all, you doing good? You need some water? You need to take a break? Anything, man. Bathroom um, break. Let's do it. All right, take a break. He like he'll like he's been like oh yeah I need to film, I need to do four auditions today. Like, how do you do this? You could talk. You oh. can talk in the mic. Yeah. So no, you can keep it very. So yeah, no, it's it's um it's interesting to kind of see that and see how that works. Yeah. Um, oh, let me turn off. I want to get rid of this white noise here. Actually, I feel like the the only reason to go into a, like a professional recording studio nowadays is because they have the ability to do like a central air that causes no sound. Oh man, that sounds great. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean that's that's the reason why. Like that, that's like the real technology of a recording studio is they have air conditioning that doesn't cause sound. Air conditioning that doesn't sound like air <laughs> conditioning. That's why, that's why you pay the big bucks. It's not because they have the console. It's not because you don't want to get we heat all, stroke. We all have the equipment now with technology. You know, Of course, I'm kind of downplaying. I'm making fun of it. But uh, it's not the console. It's not the speakers. It's not the mics. It's the AC. That's what you're paying for. Because <laughs> we can't have AC in here, man. It's too loud. It's too fucking loud. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so AC we're sitting here sweating our balls off in 90 degree weather. It's like 88. In Studio <laughs> B. Studio, yes, you told Jim me Jim Morrison Studios. Yes. Right. Which I'll show you the plaque. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I want I, that, that's a crazy coincidence. Well, it's not even a coincidence, but that's really cool. It is cool, man. You know, again, another funny thing, uh, a guy that, that, not that I've obsessed about, but definitely someone who I've followed for a long time, like Jim Morrison. I've always had a fascination with him, the doors. Like, and then you're right next door. And I'm right next door to the guy. It's like, wow, you know, what well, are the odds? Well, it's, it's kind you of know? that synchronicity thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And, um, Oh yeah, I, I was so. I was starting to tell you about uh, when I was. I grew up in Chicago, and when I was in Chicago, I was working as a, at a casting office. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah. I was hired as an intern, and then I worked there um, a little while after my internship had ended. They started hiring me like a freelance, and mm. I would go in, you know, a day or two a week. But and I was there for probably in total with the internship and freelance uh, about six months. By the way, I learned. A shitload in that period of time um, about a lot of different things. I love about you know about the industry, about the mm-hmm. other side of casting, about you know what actors look like when they come into rooms and auditions. It was it was great wow. for me. Yeah, it was great for me. Kind of give and you the inside tip. 
Yeah, that and just seeing how, you know, casting reacts to people. What What is a turnoff? What is not? And, it, you know, and it, uh, you know, granted, it's going to change per each person. But there's kind of an overall theme there mm-hmm. and do's and don'ts and mm-hmm. um, just the, kind of an invaluable experience. I'm really glad I did it. But as, as far as synchronicity goes, so I, I, so I was working there. And uh, there was this guy that I had seen at a couple auditions that, um, uh, you know, after the third or fourth, we kind of talked a little bit and like he'd be waiting to go in and we'd talk. We're around the same age. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then so fast forward to, you know, years later, I'm, uh, I'm uh, with my girlfriend. We're going over to her apartment at the time. And uh, she lived with her friend, Paul, a guy named Paul Walter Hauser, super talented actor. He's on the TV show Kingdom. He plays Keith on Kingdom and um, is just insanely talented. He's great on the show. But uh, that was, this is all previous to that. So I mm-hmm. um, just wanted to plug Paul for a second. No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but we're going, so we're going over there. And... Uh, at that time, I was up for a role on a TV show. Mm-hmm. So we're going over there, and I had had like a chemistry read earlier in the day. Um, and uh, Chloe, my girlfriend, uh, we're going over there to hang out with Paul. And uh, she goes, oh, Paul's with his friend Julian. And for whatever reason in my mind, I was like, Julian? Is, is Julian from Chicago? We get to the apartment. It ends up being the guy that I had met and had a couple of conversations with in the casting office in Chicago. And this is years <laughs> later in LA, right. like three years later. Right. On top, on top of that, Julian is up for a different role on the very same TV show at the very same time as me. Wow, bro. Neither of us end up getting the role. But still. But still, it was kind of crazy. And then even crazier on top of that, one of my best friends, um, an actor named Garrett Clayton, also very talented, he... And he did a movie with Paul, mm-hmm. who was Chloe's roommate and our really good friend, back in Michigan, because they're both from Michigan. And I and, and it just kind of, and they knew each other in Michigan, didn't know each other out here. And then through me and my girlfriend, um, it was all kind of connected. And yeah. it just, it's just kind of, kind of a crazy, crazy thing that you can't really... I know. I know. You know, yeah, foresee. I, I got a, you know, another funny story, uh, really on those lines... Before moving to LA, I was very, um, one of my influences of moving up here was, you're going to think I'm a nerd for this, but uh, it was the movie Swingers with Jon Favreau and Vince Vaughn, okay? <laughs> when I was living in San Diego, young buck, you know. You and like 20,000 other and, young guys. And, and it's funny because I watch it now and I'm like, that's basically my life five years ago. Like, no, like I mean, it's, I'm, a, gr- I'm, it's, a, it's I'm, a great movie. Like, like I've been there, done that, and like I did live that life, but but before when i was younger and before i had moved up here yeah. i watched that movie with the biggest starry eyes like oh i want that life and and going to the parties in the hills and 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 just you know being a struggling artist like i want that life you know and and so i i i loved the character mikey john favreau's character mm-hmm. and here again just kind of like the, the jim morrison thing just these weird funny little quirks but um I ended up moving into apartment, an apartment in Hollywood once I moved up here, like a couple years later. Like I lived in a few different places. The fucking apartment that I lived in was Mikey's apartment 
right on Franklin Avenue in Bronson, that, that same building, I was, I was in Mikey's apartment uh, from Swingers. And I found out oh, here wow. again, I found out later. I was like, there's something familiar about this place. <laughs> the fucking landlords, awesome ladies were like, yeah, they filmed the uh, Swingers here. And you're, you're in Mike, you're in John's, John's apartment. Wow. <laughs> so I actually lived the life. And of course I went to all the hangouts they went to, which I idolized because that was my neighborhood kind of on the cusp of Los Feliz, Files, whatever, uh, you know, uh, the one, 101 <laughs> cafe where they're having that conversation. I love that scene with, with Favreau at the end with the baby, the girl and the baby. And she's talking to the baby, but you don't see the baby. And, and he thinks that she's talking to him across the way. Oh, right. And she's making, oh, look at you with the baby noises. <laughs> oh, you like to play dirty, don't you? And it turns out that she go, t- comes around the booth, picks up the baby, and he's like, you can just see the redness <laughs> in his face, even though it was acting, it was gritty, just the, the embarrassment. You right. Know? But anyway, yeah, that's that was one of my favorites. And um, again, just like the the Pablo thing, and and then the thing with you in Chicago and coming out, it's like there's these little little dots that just keep getting connected. The things that you give a shit about, at least, right? It's very interesting, you know. And I feel like it, I kind of want to find a way. Well, how can I run with this? Is there a way to kind of harness this, or is this just the weird mysteries of the universe that we're just never going to figure yeah, out? Yeah, I think it's you know? the mysteries of the universe that you can't figure out. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think it's it's kind of beyond. Um, our capacity to really understand. Yeah. Well, let's stop levitating here and kind of get a little more, a little <laughs> more lighthearted. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back down to earth. Um, but one thing I, <laughs> dude, you're one of the best like impressionists <laughs> that I, I mean, I, I don't know if you do anyone specific, like an act, like a, like a, like a known character, known person, but I'm right. saying like, I love that you do these fucking accents, bro. Like you the weird, like between fifties gangster, between you and a deer, man. Cause you know, a deer has got a million of them. I've, yeah, I've seen him do so. I don't know if you've heard Sally mom pants, but that's one of the funniest accents I've ever no, heard. I it's like a Minnesota mom. Oh, but but her, a, but but her name is Sally Mom Pants. That's a great idea. But but she lived a crazy life. Like she used to do like you know drugs back in the day. Basically, she was a deer. Okay. Okay. So but it's like, at, but as a like, Minnesota it's mom, like, it's like a it's like a a deer moonlighting is something and, else. <laughs> and, and she talks about her her you know her escapades, you know in on, on a yacht with the Sultan doing blow off of his dick and just you know with with the with the Minnesota mom accent like you know but she doesn't do that anymore but she just talks about it. And this is a character he's creating. And this is a character he's that creating. Is so elaborate. And he did it on the show <laughs> and he literally had me rolling, bro. I was dying. So yeah, you got to hear that episode. It's pretty good. But anyway, so I I really want to hear. I love your your fifties guy. You know, fifties fifties gangster. No, it's like it actually, it's earlier than that. Right? It's like twenties and thirties. Like, yeah, I mean, like, like nah, uh, like, yeah. yeah, you don't know me, kid. I'll teach you a thing or two. Here's a quarter. <laughs> buy your mother something nice. Yeah, and that's how I roll. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't know. I think it's a gangster anywhere from the twenties to thirties. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, twenties to fifties. Uh, uh, horse horse feathers. Ah, uh, horse feathers. See. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, but what else? What else did you do? You you had me laughing uh, one of these days uh, when we were talking about accents. So you do that. You do the old time. You do the old timer. Uh, Scottish. Scottish in. Is that what you like? I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like Sc- Scottish. It's a little more guttural. Guttural. Yeah, I, I think I think so. It's like yeah. the back of the throat. Yeah. And you can do. Uh, oh, I'm Christopher Walken. Oh. Oh. Wow. Hey. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, but that's not really what you do, right? That's not your your style. No, I mean, I, I you know I like. Or are you are you a character guy? Is it is that is that what they call it a character actor? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's um I like to I like to think I can, you know, stretch myself that far. Yeah. <laughs> But you, you know, it's funny because uh, when we first talked about the podcast, this is when I was actually first getting it going, like just one or two episodes in, and I, yeah. and I wanted you to come on ever since the beginning. So I'm, I'm gl- thank you so much for coming on. No, by thanks the way. for having me, man. Um, it's really an honor that you know you take time and you come in here, and and I know that if I don't get you now, I'm never going to get you because you're just going to be too big. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to go through secretaries and and all that shit. That's me. Yeah, that's me. Anyway, so. Um, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, we're talking. We're talking about accents and things like that. And accents coming on the show. That. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you asked me if I was a character actor, right? right. I, yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't. It's. I like. Yeah, I will say this. I like. I like. I like. Playing people different than myself. Mm-hmm. I, it's fun and it's kind of cool to see what you can come up with mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, it, it can get exciting doing that. But I, you know, I will say, I will say, um, playing, you know, playing the straight man, just being yourself oftentimes can be more difficult. Really? Just playing yourself? Yeah, because I, I think, I think it's, it's kind of the thing of just being okay with being. And a lot of times it's hard for actors to do is just be. Well... I know how hard I have more appreciation for your guys' art more than ever when I do reads because mm-hmm. I, I do reads for you fucking guys. Oh, Johnny, you know, just b- bounce apart off. Remember I told you, and then we, you know, they they do a lot of uh, submissions that way now, where you guys have to film, you know, a couple minutes of the lines, and, right. but then you got to bounce off someone who's off camera, and that's right, usually yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the schmuck that always ends up agreeing to doing that. <laughs> uh, and I'm sitting there, and it's so funny because as I'm reading lines back, you guys are like awesome like it, you know yeah. i'm seeing and i'm seeing the you know i'm like wow this is and it gets me into it right so i feel like i'm doing this good job and i'm part of it so if you get the role like part of it's because of me you know <laughs> but but i'm like i'm actually doing it and you're I'm like, the director <laughs> and i'm kind of like yeah and, and then like we'll we'll stop and then okay let's do it now do it like this now give me give me more of this you know and and we'll do it and it's funny because i get so into it right and i'm like you know you know we're going back and forth with the lines and i'm like talking and, and i feel like i'm like like da 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 like I'm like all over the place, right? Like I'm like showing all this emotion, right? You know what we need to do. And then we do the playback and I hear myself and it's like you're and you're like and then I hear myself like, okay, this is gonna be good, and I'm like, and I'm like this monotone, like unemotional, dead person in the background just just clearly reading to you like like i'm the guy from uh from ferris bueller's day off like bueller, bueller. <laughs> ben stein like i'm ben stein <laughs> but i in, in my mind's eye like i'm like you know like like fucking i'm, I'm getting an oscar for this you're one. daniel day lewis and, and then and then we come for, for for the when i watch the recording and of course you guys are doing the breakthrough role and doing everything you do and then me it's like fucking ben, ben stein it's hilarious well, right, i mean you know it's 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 uh the, the hard thing about acting is um trust trust and you know when you trust you can let go and just things come out of you and you know i mean it's it's nothing to do with you you know you i you've never been an actor right no right so it's it's one of those things where it, you work on it and you start to trust and then you let yourself go and it gets better but yeah i mean you're probably going to be more reserved yeah and you feel like you're doing something but you know and that's what that's what makes acting difficult is you can't see yeah. yourself i mean it's funny because when you see a truly great actor and this is what i realize now when you see a truly great actor, they make it look easy. 
Yeah, just yeah. like I think any athlete or any anybody that's great at what they do, <sighs> they make it look they effortless. Actually, make it look like I could do that, or I could do better than right. that. Right, and that's the that's the illusion. That's the illusion. I can do that. Right, and it's like, well, no, you can't. No, and you that's can't. A, that goes back to the thing of saying, you know, characters and straight man, and uh, that's that goes back to that thing of like in a lot of ways playing kind of the non-character playing yourself, playing the straight man is difficult in a lot of ways because it just goes back to being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're, when you're a character, you have some kind of veneer over you where you can play within that. Mm-hmm. But then when you're the straight man, you know, it, 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 it's a different set of rules for that guy. Interesting. And it's, it's more about being and being affected a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And so that, that can be more challenging. It really yeah. can. Yeah. It's funny because uh, when I do my little parts for you guys and you know, bouncing off the lines. I, I try to think, I try to recreate someone that I know or a version of someone that I know, because it's so weird to just do me, especially if I'm, if I'm reading something that's not coming from my own, right. My own motivations, you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm so I, I don't know. I find that to be a very difficult thing to do. It's like, you got to kind of step outside of it's yourself. It's all about trust, kid. Ah, oh, horse feathers. No, nah, it's not horse <laughs> That's feathers. It, every, every, <laughs> I'll teach you a thing or two. You tell me horse feathers again. Make you go crying to your mama. That's my favorite one. I, I love, love that yeah. one, man. That's love, my that one's how, the how most much, fun. Uh, what, what do you call that? What, what do I call you, Earl? I don't know. I don't think I have a name for him. Oh, it's fifties guy. Fifties guy. Well, man. I think I think his name is Massy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Earl. Uh, how much were were the movies back then? Uh, back in your day, uh, you know, now movies are fucking fifteen dollars. Nickel. Nickel if you're lucky. <laughs> oh man that, that goes back to all those great movies like james cagney like white heat stuff like that yeah you know yeah i love all the old stuff uh, humphrey bogart I, I love uh do you remember murder by death do you remember that movie no with uh what is that? with 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 um peter falk okay yeah peter falk was columbo correct right and he in 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 murder by death it's a gem, bro. If you uh, haven't seen it, you gotta. It, it, Truman Capote's in the fucking thing. No, what really? Okay, when was this? Uh, when was this it's, made? It's uh, late sixties, early seventies. Murder by Murder, death. It's, it's like the original Clue. Okay. It's set in a mansion. That sounds great. Cause I love. It's Clue. a murder mystery, but it's like it kind of pokes fun at the genre, because apparently that was a genre even back then. Like Clue, you know, Clue wasn't the first to do it. Clue, right. Clue bit that off of like I guess old. Back in the day, it was like a kind th- of mystery theater esque type yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it was a genre back in the fifties or the forties. Or so anyway, murder by death kind of pokes fun at all the little things and how you'll never know who actually did the murdering and Tux all that. Stuff. It's just utter ridiculousness. And Truman Capote's character, oh my god, bro! It's it, I think it's one of the few movies he was actually ever in. Um, but uh, what was I saying? So Peter Falk, his character, it was his impression. Peter Falk's impression of Humphrey Bogart, and that was his character in Murder by Death. And when you see it, it's fucking classic, bro. I gotta watch it now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Um, what what kind of what kind of movies do you like? And like, you know, we we you I know like? we talked a little bit about you know Gary Oldman stuff. But who? What do you like? You know, I gotta okay. Well, first I gotta say. I'm not a fan of the big blockbusters anymore. They just, I, I feel very bored of them and I feel they're all like the superhero, the DC comics and all that shit. And you know, yeah. I'm sorry, but it's just, there's no, there's not enough plot or whatever it is about it. It's just, it's just too much CGI and, and I've lost interest in the explosions. Not to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to sit down and watch the violin or, you know, the, the, 
you know what I mean. I mean, uh, but I, I like I, I I enjoy sci-fi. Cool. But a lot of the sci-fi I enjoy is kind of from like when I was a child. So like I love Star the original Star Wars. You know, three, four, and five, or whatever the fucking episodes were. Uh, four, five, four, five, six. and six. I'm sorry. Um, I love uh, Star Trek. I, I, I but like I Star Trek But too. I very much like the original Star Trek with Captain Kirk. Well, it is still Captain Kirk with uh, William Shatner, good old Bill, mm-hmm. versus the new stuff, which is I get it. It's all eye candy and the fucking spe- and, and it's all edgy and. But at the end of the day, they're all Transformers movies. They're all Transformers movies to me. I'm just I've lost interest. But I, I really like heady pieces. I like pieces that make you think about uh, life, the nature of reality. I love that movie. Um, was it Primer? Have you seen that one? It was like time travel. Primer, no. And it was done on literally like a $5,000 budget, super low budget film. But they crushed it because the content was so good and it was so well and cleverly done. It doesn't, it doesn't have a look like it's shitty. It actually looks very professional. But they did it on low budget. But to this day, it's the most accurate portrayal of time travel that we have. Okay. Um, but speaking of time travel, I love Back to the Future. See, oh look, my it's God. like all these movies that Back I love are like... Back to the Future. Man, I love Back to the Future. It's, they, they consider they the argue- original the perfect... Have you heard about this? What? The, it's the perfect film. The first one. Really? Yeah. That a lot of film... Man, I wouldn't doubt it. I, you know, I would say the Back, Back to the Future movies, especially the first one, isn't my top ten favorite movies. I, lo- I mean, I really love that movie. I, I can watch it any any day of the week, man. I, anytime. Um, I will. I'll watch it. I watch it, honestly, probably about three times a year. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. And Indiana Jones. I love the original love Indiana, Indiana Jones. Love Indiana Jones, yeah. Um, it's funny. I'm like pulling out all these, you know, 80s, 90s. Uh, you know, I, I really can't point to many films that I've seen in the last few years that really do it for me. You know, I, I mean, like you were talking about the... You know the big blockbuster movies, the mm-hmm. superhero movies. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy those. I I I think it's all about when you're watching a movie. It's all about knowing to an extent what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think you know you know you it's it's going to be this kind of movie. So you you get your mind ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if you go watch uh, the movie Shame. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's a great movie. No, I haven't. No, as with Michael Fassbender, Steve McQueen directed it. And um, uh, it's about a sex addict, and uh, it's an amazing movie, amazing, amazing movie. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, you have to be in the right headspace for that. You're watching a movie about a sex addict. If mm-hmm. you think you're going to go see Back to the Future, you're going to be disappointed because right. you're expecting something totally different. Right. So I think it's all about knowing what you're going to see and having your expectations for whatever. I mean, obviously, it's a movie, so there's going to be certain things that surprise you. Mm-hmm. You can't know everything, but you basically know the genre. Yeah, and so right. I think it's about Knowing what you're seeing, really. You know, I, I got to say, uh, anime. Okay. I, I, I really, really, like, and a deer kind of helped push me in that direction also with some of, the, some of the animes that I had missed. But I don't know what your experience with Japanese animation is, but I'm going to tell Very you right little. now, if, you, if, if I give you a list of maybe five films to watch, one of them being the original Ghost in the Shell, another being Akira, Spelt Akira, okay. um, uh, Paprika. These films are stupid good, and they go to a place because they're animation that real film cannot do. And and Paprika was actually the influence for 
Inception. Really? And they actually copied certain scenes Paprika. to the T. And they show like this bathtub scene, or there's some scene in Paprika that they literally had to like pay millions of dollars in rights just to do one fucking scene in Inception that exactly copied Paprika. Is it when um, they push him into the water? It's when he falls into the water and I, wakes up. I think is that the scene. I think that's the scene. I, I don't recall. I saw it in a documentary. Um. And Ghost in the Shell, even from the intro, the right. way they did the intro, but but also the content of the film, heavily influenced the the brothers that did uh, the Matrix. Okay. And so these Wachowskis. films, these films came out prior to these great, more modern, you know, film. Well, Jesus, like I'm sounding like an old guy because these films are like five, ten years old now. But um, what I love is going to the horse's mouth. To me, that's really cool to see, like, the raw, like, wow, this is, like, this is the Matrix. Or this is where they got it from, the idea, or Inception. Like, and that's why I think I'm so into anime, because they're, they're just so well thought, and they're so intricate. Yeah, Unlike, I, I've, I mean, I'm very limited in my knowledge of anime. I'll, I'll, I'll Paprika, give Paprika, that sounds... I mean, from your description of it, I want to watch it now. They're very abstract. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you sit down and, and roll one and, and just smoke and watch, man, and, and it'll expand your mind, man. So <laughs> I highly recommend it. And, you know, you could talk to a deer. He, he's more uh, versed in, in anime than I am. But every time I, I get into him, I'm well, just like, like um, it's so good. I just wish there were more film, American film like this. Have you seen uh, Waking Life? No. No, it's no. so it's um, anime esque. Uh, I think what they did was they filmed it, so it, and then they illustrated over it. Oh, like that movie with uh, what was the one where they're all on a big drug trip, and it's with uh, Robert Downey Jr. I, I, that's Waking Life. Wait a minute, are you sure? I'm I'm pretty sure. We're talking about the same film? I he thought has, it was he, Robert Downey Jr. has a bike in it. He's like a bicycle. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure that's Waking. I'm gonna. We gotta look that up, man. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, because I saw it, and it's a big drug movie, right? Like they're all into drugs. Are we talking about the same film? I don't know if we are. To be honest with you, God, I can't remember the name of that film. But uh, um, it was kind of like a paranoia drug trip kind of movie and it was all done like it was acting like you said but then they did some kind of an animation on top of it so it had like an eerie lifelikeness about it Ethan Hawke, Julie Depley God is that the one? Adam Goldberg's in it I'd, I'd have to see like like a screenshot to be sure well, Richard Linklater uh, directed it um I don't know. Maybe I. I know there's another. There's another movie very similar to this one, mm -hmm. and I think that's what we're getting mixed up. But anyways, good movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, okay. Well, just to kind of switch gears real quick, uh, I, I before I run out of time with you, I gotta ask, man. Uh, diet wise, yes. You know, you and I have talked a lot about it, but you know, for the listeners, of course. 
but man, what the fuck do you do? Because you look pretty goddamn good, <laughs> right? And you got to for for you know, it, yeah, it's one as of those an things. Actor, I mean, you wanna you wanna keep yourself healthy you and to, in yeah. good shape, unless of course you know you're that one in a million guy that you know you get to be the fat guy right. or you know whatever. But for the most part, you really you really do have to look good to be on film because people actually. Before I get into what you're into, I don't remember the film that I saw, and I know I'm gonna sound like a shallow son of a bitch, but it's true. Okay. Um, saw this film on Netflix. Don't remember what it's called. Pretty decent plot, the whole thing. So, you know, it had me going. It kind of tugged me along. Right. But I remember the lead female being, I don't want to say unattractive or ugly or whatever, but I just didn't want to look at her. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just, in, in, in the guy that was falling in love with her. Okay. It's just, I couldn't, I couldn't be that guy vicariously. I couldn't fall in love with her like he could. You, you get what I mean? Because you, you know these films where it's like, uh, for example, Her. Remember Her? Yes. And, and it's uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. And he's falling in love with, with uh, Scarlett, the, the great Scarlett Johansson. Computer program. But just her voice. And right. all you get is her voice. And I'm falling in love with her because of that voice, that sexy voice. Mm-hmm. In that two-hour period that I get with them. By the end of the film, my heart's broken too because I fell in love with her and she broke my heart because she's sleeping with a million other people at the same time. Well, it's also, I mean, just a great movie and it was written just a great extraordinarily movie. well. But I could, you know, again, I could be pointing at the wrong things, focusing on the wrong things, but I recall just, I couldn't look at this woman on, it's just every time she came on screen, her 20 foot head, you know, 20 feet high head, I'm just like... And, and, it, and it really took away from, from my experience. I felt that maybe if that lead was Scarlet, then I'd be like at the edge of my seat, oh man, don't fuck this one up, bro. Don't fuck it up. But here I was just like, ah, fuck her. Let her go, bro. Let her go. Credits. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, is that, is that, so I guess that's what I'm saying is that as shallow as it is in this art form, uh, it really is a, very important to, you know, people are looking at you, man. They got to, well, they got to. Well, I think that goes into a bigger thing though of, um, kind of the industry being unfair towards women absolutely because yeah. because i think what it does is it, it's more lenient with men of course and allowing yeah. them to let themselves go and not women and um you know at the end of the day you know my girlfriend's an actress mm-hmm. and um you know if that would break my heart if that was happening to her so you know when you think about it, it and it's not fair so i think it goes into that um a little bit and i think you know, I think I think that's what that is. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and I hate to say that that that's what happened to me, but I want to be very honest that that I felt that that was the one of the main reasons why that film turned me off. Even though it had a lot of good elements about it, I liked right. that there was an indie, a realness about it, a real nature about it. But it's just every time they flashed her on screen, I was just like, oh, I I can't relate to you, dude. I don't want you to fall in love with her. Is that funny? Yeah, you know? well, I, I think it's probably, you know, your, I don't know, your, your, uh, that's your my an, demons. Your animalistic that's my demons. side. I don't know, John. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All right, fine. She's my ex girlfriend. <laughs> Fucking bitch. I knew it. Uh, anyway, so, um, I was going to ask you something. I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget. Um, okay, yeah, duh. We're back to diet. So I got to know, what, okay. what, what's your deal? What do you have a regimen? Do you, what do you follow? I mean, I try to work out, uh, pretty much every day. Um, you know, I'll take, I'll usually take about a day off a week. Um, but I, I try oh, so to, you're, you're five or six days a week working out. Yeah. That's I good. I work out man. a lot and I, I try to eat very healthy. You know, I don't I try to, I try to have at least a salad a day. 
Um, I don't eat bread. I don't really drink much. Good for you. Um, so you know, I you know, it's 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 all about diet, and I think being consistent with a workout regimen. It's also finding one that works for you, a workout mm-hmm. regimen that works for you, because you know, not everybody is the same or created equally. Absolutely, and. Um, you know, you have to figure out what's going to work for your body and uh, what workout works for your body. Because it's true, you know, people's bodies respond to different workouts. Um, Very true. Depending on muscle, fiber type, composition. Size, you know, there's so many things that go into it that one one specific workout isn't going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I say not every body is created equally because it is it's true. It's, it's not every workout. The same workout that works for me might not work for you or might not right. work for that guy or her. It's just one of those things. But I think, I think it's about, you know, I've, I found stuff that works for me mm-hmm. and um, I like eating, you know, well. And uh, yeah, I think that's what it's about. Not drinking much. Yeah. I noticed that when I'm not hitting the bottle, you know, I've taken months off at a time, mm-hmm. like no drinking at all. And everyone always comments like that, that my skin just becomes tighter. You look like, better. Like you you look, feel better. You too. look better. You feel better. And it's funny that, um, it has such an impact. You don't even realize it until you take it away. And, you know, in, in our day and age, like, you know, it's kind of part of our culture. It's part of our mm-hmm. culture to drink, unfortunately. But, uh, it doesn't number on the body. It really does. And That's why when you when you go out with people, you just get a soda water. Tell them it's something else. And then you realize <laughs> you realize how boring going out actually is. And right when you're when you're not intoxicated, and, you realize and, how boring it is. And, and the, yeah, exactly. And and the only reason why you're out, uh, if you are drinking, is really just to drink. And it, it's funny that the drinking is actually. It's funny. I've kind of I've kind of pinpointed why do why does anybody really drink? Nine times out of ten, boredom. Yeah, no, totally. That's it. You're, it's boredom. So. I mean, I mean, you know, like I, you know, I totally. I mean, I remember being being just of drinking age and sitting down, and I was eating like beef stew or something, and I was like, I'm gonna have a beer, and it was simply because I was bored. And I, <laughs> I remember, I remember thinking that specifically because I remember yeah. drinking the beer and eating it with beef stew. I started feeling sick. Yeah. I was like, why am I even drinking this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes, taste. I mean, I, I went out to dinner with my family the other day, and my God, we had a fucking beautiful bottle of wine. I think it was a Jordan 2012 Cabernet yeah. off the top of my head. It was something like that. And, you know, not like a crazy bottle of wine, but I, I looked it up. It's, you know, it's like $80 at the store. So, you know, it's about double that in the restaurant. And I remember drinking, having a taste of it in like, now I get wine drinking. Now I get why people are wine snobs. Because wine, there's such this spectrum between deliciousness and just fucking just swill. And it, it's so and it's all it's all grape juice, and that's what I can't put my fucking finger on. It's not like beer where you're adding all these different ingredients like hops and the balance and, and the yeast. It's like wine. It's like there's only like one goddamn way to make wine. The only difference is the grape you use. Yeah. So why is it that this Cabernet is a hundred times better? than that Cabernet. I can't figure it out, bro. Anyway. I mean, I know nothing about winemaking, but I would agree with you. I mean, there's, when you when you start to, you know, get in, dabble into finer wines. Um, yeah, then you become a wine snob. Well, there's a real, I mean, there's a difference in flavor. There absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, which I, I can't fucking stand, you know, in, in, in my years bartending, uh, 
let me try this one. Let me try that one. Let me try it. It's like, you know what? Just fucking order it. <laughs> like, I get if you're, if you're getting a bottle, like, you right. want to try it out. But, right. but, like, these are, this is like a $10 glass of wine. They're trying every $10 glass of wine. I'm like, take a fucking chance, it's man. It's like going to the yogurt stop and trying every single one. Hi, can I have 15 sample cups? <laughs> exactly. And then they walk <laughs> and they out. And they look eh. at you like you're the worst person in the world. And then they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll, have, a, I'll have a Corona light. <laughs> uh, now that I tried all of your mediocre wines, I'll take a Corona Light. <laughs> exactly, and I think that's what I got used to, man. Is just these kind of mediocre, cheap wines. You know, just you know, drinking it because I think it's good for me. You know, like it's better than beer, better than hard liquor. So okay, I'll get a bottle of wine tonight. And then I have this fucking Jordan, and I'm like, wow, like I get it now. This is like a bad habit because that shit, eighty dollars a pop. Yeah, that's worse than a smoking habit. That's worse than that's worse than a heroin addict, man. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's an expensive habit. But um, before we before we get out of here, I you, you kind of sparked my interest when you mentioned you were back in the office in um, back in Chicago in the casting right. office, and you mentioned do's and don'ts. Right. I, I really want to hear, like, if you can think of some off the top of your head. What were some of the do's and some of the don'ts that you saw, like specifically? Um. Specifically, I mean, just generally knowing how to take direction. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I've seen it a bunch of times where people would go in, they'd do something, and they, they'd be like, all right, that was great. Now try this or try that. And mm-hmm. then they would do it the exact same way. I mean, that's pretty obvious for actors, but I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I think it's one of those things when you uh, walk into a room, you know, you can you tend to forget things. I had a, a casting director there um, said to me, which was really good advice. He said, make sure you know your lines. He was just speaking in general. Make sure you know your lines backwards and forwards because when you walk into that room, it's like someone's cut off 70% of your brain. Just because, you know, right. you walk in, there's lights, there's a camera, there's usually severed, several different people. And um, so it can... It can you know, be a lot at once. So you're like, oh, you could easily forget. I, I could. I've had something like that happen where I froze up and I, I just completely forgot everything. It, it was, uh, I think, a play back in fourth grade. Yeah, no. Stand, standing right in front, of, and I had my lines, and I <laughs> and was you're ready just to go. Standing there, and you're like, Ugh. and ever since then, Kev, I was like, fuck acting. I'm not an actor. I'm gonna be a music guy. Um, yeah, no, that. Uh, uh, you know, I learned. It was a lot of things. There was, uh, you know, these simple things. Always, always having, you know, if they ask for a headshot and resume, they want it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just knowing, generally knowing your lines, showing up prepared. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of it was very simple stuff that you know turns into a big deal if you don't do it. And it's just it, a lot of it is just common sense. It really is very interesting, man. You know, I, I, there's, there's a. Uh, one story where um, they were casting for a show, and there was this guy in, in the in the scene. <laughs> the guy has a bat, right? And he's you know pretending to swing it, swing it. Mm-hmm. And the the casting person said beforehand, they said you know don't don't swing the bat. You know we don't want to put any holes in the walls or anything. He's like, so don't swing the bat. You can hold it. You know be be th- threaten them with it, but don't don't swing it. So the guy in the middle of it started swinging the bat. He let it go. And the bat put a hole in the wall. <laughs> and I was sitting in there, and I felt so bad for the guy. Mm-hmm. And um, his face just turned bright red. Yeah. And the casting guy was just like, oh, man, I told you not to swing the bat. Look what you did to our wall. Yeah. 
And it's one of those things where like your audition's totally fucked now. Like you can't From come back. From that point on, that. How, yeah, how could you come back and just, just do whatever? I'm gonna leave yeah. because clearly yeah. this isn't gonna work. I'm not gonna be comfortable. You hate me at this moment. Right. So it's just things like that. Like just, just take a breath. Pay attention, go in. And I, you know, that was the biggest so thing. So when I think the director says, don't swing the bat, don't swing the bat. That's great well, advice. Well, the casting director, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if they're giving you a specific direction like that, I'd probably not take the chance. Yeah, man. That's great. Well, uh, I guess we could wrap it up, man, unless you have anything uh, you want to say. No, do, man. Have. I mean, I, I, you know, I appreciate you having me on here. And man, it was I, great talking. Absolutely, man. It's been a fun conversation. I feel like uh, I can almost be an actor now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I gave. I don't think I gave I, that much I, valuable I, advice. I, I feel like that's what I did wrong. Is I, I swung that bat back in the fourth grade. I swung that bat. Oh, I think I think everyone swings <laughs> that bat. I think it's about just realizing that you are an idiot and continuing on. Yeah, man. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on thank the you. Struggling Artist, aka the Future Edo Podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Um, as soon as uh, I get these bad boys on air, um, you will obviously be the first to know, and you can. Take a listen when it comes out. You can push it, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Talk to you soon. See ya. See ya.